podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed, and we've just had a like two weeks in a row where Liverpool have had like a, a week between games. It's such a luxury, but obviously that's going out the window soon because um, in the lead up to the League Cup final, which is a few games away as we record this, there's there's a couple of games to play. Um, Obviously, one of the reasons Liverpool didn't have a game midweek is because we've already comfortably got through to the next bit of the Europa League, so we didn't need to mess about trying to get into the last bit. We were already through. Um, bit of a strange thing that maybe we'll talk about that later, but um, find it odd that that clubs are able to have one game less because I can remember when all this kicked off, the, the main thing was to get as many games as possible so they could get more money coming in. Um, UA for that is not the the managers. The, the powers that be wanted more games from surprise. They've, they've made us have less anyway. Um, it's a nice, a nice, a nice rest if that's the right word. Um, but I think it's a rest we've probably needed given we're still, we're still sort of struggling a little bit with injuries here and there. Um, we've got through the season so far, basically like I think almost every week has been looking at who's missing, who's missing, who's missing and, We've had enough to play 11 and then two, anywhere between two and five, um, sort of known outfield players to come and be on the bench. So feels like, you know, as soon as one gets better, another one goes away. But Jay, I think, I don't know, last, last week when we recorded, we were talking about the Arsenal game, talking about it being a blip. And, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of what happens between now and the end of the season depends on players being fit and all the rest of it. A lot of games coming up going to be interested in how that works out but once we're on the game we've just got to do our best and I feel um, we didn't do that against Arsenal but I think against Burnley in the end we we did we did our best I wasn't wasn't sure about the first I don't know 15-20 minutes maybe but I feel after that we kind of you know we kind of started to be ourselves again the way we have been this season which let's be honest top of the league but not perfect every game always doing enough other than that you know those couple of occasions yeah I mean on the injuries um, it is frustrating sort of to see players coming back and then another one going out or in the case of what Trent and Sabozlai um, I'm, not, I'm not even going to mention Thiago um, you know players coming back from an injury is it too soon um, you know is that the players pushing themselves too soon, you know, putting themselves in 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 the in the mind of the manager, saying, "No, I'm fine," because they they want to get out there, they don't want to miss any action, or is it, you know, ill-advised coaching or medical advice? You know, something that we'll we'll never know. We're not privy to that. Um, just on a, on a personal basis, I've I've tried to come back from a little injury running the last week or two, and 
I know what it's like. You feel something and you think, oh, no, I'll be fine in, you know, a few days' time. And you think you're fine. And then you're not. Um, and, you know, and, and, and what was then like a little tweak sort of then rules you out for like a few more weeks rather than, mm. you know, waiting an extra few days. So, you know, I'm obviously just a casual amateur run at home. I'm not a professional play footballer, but, you know, it magnified the level up and, and these lads, you know, were uh, finely tuned athletes, you know, for, for the fan of Formula One like yourself, you know, how, how finely tuned them cars are and it can only take a little something and the whole car goes askew. Um, so, you know, we, we've just got to be careful with, with what we're doing, but, you know, we, we're recording this on the Friday afternoon just after um, Klopp's pre-press conference for the Brentford game and, you know, the the the, the, the bout of flu or the sniffles, whatever you want to call it, for, for Alisson and Gomez, who were seemingly the, the nominated two, um, who, were, who were the ones missing from last weekend's results, um, are, are back in training. Um, you know, young Bradley's back, given um, his family um, situation and, you know, what we said, last week I think you know that that boy can can come and play when he's ready you know there's, there's no yeah. pressure on him to be back in the team um, even if Trent's missing you know we've got Gomez there who has more than done an adequate job this season across the back line so no no pressure on that kid to, to play again when he's mentally you know in a position to play and that, that's when that lad comes back but um, I think everyone you know given how the first half hour went last week was a bit flat and a bit sort of Mm, are we going to get anything out of this? I think everyone's sort of now drawn to the fact that Mo Salah is back. Um, and, you know, fingers crossed that we've taken every precaution with him because I think Klopp said last week, you know, it was up to Mo. He'd be back on the training pitching in the squad last weekend where we've probably given him the extra week just to, you know, cross all the T's and dot all the I's and make sure everything is, you know, finely tuned with probably what is the of most finest tuned of athletes in our squad um, with no due respect to us um, mm. you know the, the shape that that fella's in is is outrageous but if he can if he can get on the bench for the for the Brentford game and by the time this is out I'm sure you know people will have known that I'll come and then looking you know one one eye on next midweek um, you know the, the game being brought forth from the weekend against Luton you know I think it's an opportunity where you know players will be vying for starting roles in the in the cup final next weekend but you know you're looking at Mo Salah thinking well if you can just get a few minutes in his legs over the next two games you know albeit possibly sub appearances in both and just you know ensure that he's ticking over nicely going into next weekend because we are going to need um, you know our star players as much as we we have at Chelsea a couple of weeks ago the, a cup final as we've seen in, in recent times anything anything can happen. It can usually be quite tense and tight affairs and, you know, if it's a case of having a held back but finally tuned Mo Salah for next weekend, um, I'll be happy with that if it means we can oversee the next two obstacles in the league or be him off the bench and others in the squad doing the jobs that they've been doing in the last few weeks. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one with injuries. I remember and there was always a lot of fuss about Daniel Sturridge and um, was he really injured or, or was he not? You know, there was all this kind of rumour going around that maybe it was um, a psychological thing that he, was, he wasn't he was as injured as he thought he was and he could play, but for some reason the psychology got in the way. And I never, never fully understood what the truth was about that. We never, maybe never will know what the truth was about that. But what I can remember thinking was strange about it was that so many ex-players I've heard speak, you know, even spoken to some directly and they've said it, but 
be, you know, you'll often hear it in the media when they're talking that, um, if, if they, if they're 75% fit, they'll tell the manager they're 100. If, you know, if they're 60% fit, they'll try and say they're 90% fit. They, loads and loads of players will hide from the manager that they're not fully fit. And I think how inclined you are to do that probably goes up a bit as well. If you know your team's struggling. So, um, we don't know what's gone on with Trent, but if Trent was asked, honestly, how you feel? Are you ready to go? I just can't imagine Trent being someone who's just going to say, um, Oh no, I've got, you know, still got a bit of a niggle. He, he's gonna, if there's any doubt in his mind whether he's fit, fit or not, I imagine he's more likely to go along the line of, I'm fit, than go along the line of, oh, I'm not sure. Because I just think, you know, he's vice captain. We just had, um, you know, we'd only had sort of, it, it was a chance for him to kind of get his first start. Connor Bradley's been playing well. Um, I just feel like if you went to the Trent before that game and said, are you all right for today? He's going to say, yeah. And there's only so much the medical staff can do. You can do all the stand, all the scans you like and all the rest of it, but there's still, there's still a limit on how much you know. A lot of it is down to what the player tells you. So, um, I don't think we need to sort of start throwing blame around, but it sounds like someone's trying to, because there's a um, quote from Klopp from, from the press conference saying, um, as long as I'm here, we've never forced anybody back and never will do. Um, he said, I think we have to clarify a bit. I wasn't really aware of it, but I got the news that there was a discussion that we might have forced Trent back because of two setbacks. Nobody wants that and nobody's doing that. Sorry, we might have forced Trent back because of, because of these two setbacks. Nobody wants that. No one's doing that. But as he says, um, we work in a high performance area. We always try to catch the earliest moment. Unfortunately, when we catch that early moment, nobody speaks about that, which is, you know, you've got a kind of spot. It, we, we take players off as a precaution. You hear that all the time. So I think it, it is a difficult situation. And I can't imagine us sort of using Trent for that game, despite, you know, although, okay, yeah, we did have injuries. We did have, um, you know, we were down to sort of uh, one fullback, I think, if, if Trent didn't start. So I, I can imagine us not risking it badly, though, for that game. There's a whole season still to go. I just feel like we wouldn't have risked it, but... I don't know, there's always this sort of blame thing goes ground in football, isn't there? Um, as soon as anything negative comes up, everyone has to start throwing brain, blame around. But um, we've got, you know, we've got these athletes, as you say. Um, and I think, you know, we treat them differently. I mean, you just mentioned in F1 as well. Um, you know, if there's a problem on a car, they get it dealt with. Unlike, you know, most people, when they've got a car, they hear a bit of a strange noise on the car, turn the radio up. There's not a problem anymore, is there? Um, you know, they're not doing that. But I just think, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I just don't think we'd have risked Trent for that game. I can imagine us doing it if it was like, let's imagine, you know, last game of the season, you've got to win. And it's either Trent plays at right back or we have to get Diaz to play at right back. I'm pretty sure we'd probably maybe give Trent a go then. But otherwise, I just don't see it. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think, you know, probably, a, you know, a kick-off last week, he, he may well have only been, you know, 90% fit but 90% fit is is good enough mm-hmm. um, you know if you compare it to the week before against Arsenal he, he did look a lot more unfit a lot more rusty um, I noticed like last week during the game um, and again this is one of the the advantages of you know being in the ground and, and seeing a bigger picture um, there was a few times where Trent was was out on the right hand side of the field and you know the, the play was obviously probably with Van Dyke or Robertson and he, he pulls wide but he's he's walking and he looked a little bit dejected and a little bit like 
not sort of overly interested. And I, I said to my mate, I was like, I'm not sure there's something right there with Trent. Like he doesn't mm. doesn't seem 100 percent like in the game, and whether he had just felt it, um, and you know, I think there was talk, you know, he, he kicked the ground or something like that, and. You know, it, it could just be a little thing, and maybe it was just playing on his mind. But we we done the right thing in in getting him off. It can't have been overly too severe for them to actually, you know, continue until half time. Had it been really bad, he would have, you know, sat down and and gone off straight away. Um, it, it is a it's a sticky situation, but uh, yeah, you're right in the fact that I don't think we would have forced it for Burnley at home. With all due respect to. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like you know, in a couple of weeks' time, you know, maybe Man City at home, and if it was, you know, Dia Gamble on an 80-90% fit lad, and and maybe look at getting him through, or you know, a semi-final of a cup competition, um, and you, you know, you you, you sort of cross your fingers, and, and players go through games. You know, a lot of players over the several years will admit to to playing through the pain barrier, you know, like they, they strap themselves up, you know, take painkiller injections. It's a, it's a well-known sort of thing and and players will see themselves through, especially in the the situation we've had this week where we've had like, you know, pretty much a whole week for lads to, to recover and recuperate. Um, we've not been playing midweek, as you said earlier on, but I think it's just a case that we've played a lot of football and up until this point we've managed our squad really well and I think that's one thing that can be said of, of Klopp and the, and the coaching staff is you know we've 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 had injuries everybody does have injuries but what I what I find and, and this could be just media narrative is like you know Man City have been missing Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne and possibly a couple of other players and would you have it believe that, you know, they've basically been decimated because those two fellas have been out? And we've, <laughs> we've had Mo Salah gone for, what, two months now? You know, it was it's the equivalent of, you know, the start of January, I think it was possibly the last time we seen him, was it? Maybe the end of December. I think it was the, the Newcastle game that we attended, actually. Yeah, yeah, um, New Year's Day. So, New Year's Day. So, you know, we're sitting here today on the 16th of Feb um, with the potential that Salah could be in the squad. For, for tomorrow's game and most likely you know we, we don't we don't have to use most of our tomorrow we, we might just see him on the pitch at Anfield next week um, or even the cup final which is you know the, the end of February and that's a large chunk of the season to be missing arguably one of the top four or five players in the world um, you know and, and, and nothing's been made of that um, add to the fact you know we've we have been missing other players um, at various times throughout the season and We've just sort of got on with our business, and and that that suits us fine. I'm not I'm not complaining at the fact that we've we've sort of been overlooked, but it, it just find it hilariously funny that you know all of a sudden Man City are, are, are supercharged because two players who've missed a few months, and obviously in Kevin De Bruyne's case, a, a large chunk of the season, um, are back, and all of a sudden it's like let's all let's all parade Man City as this glorious machine of football because a couple of lads have come back from injury and it, it just shows you know how the, how the media narrative works um, and you know Sabah's like out for a while Trent's out for a while um, we've missed you know probably all of our forward line at some point in this season for four or five games at a time mm. um, you know we, we've been missing midfielders you know, Alexis has been out injured. Curtis has had a couple of knocks and bumps. You know, we missed Endo for half a dozen weeks. Um, you know, Matip's been gone since 
October, I think it was, something like that. Um, Robertson, 13 weeks, you know. So we're, we're, we're hardly, we're not playing poor, but you know, we, we have, we've done things in a professional manner. And I think that is something that's been overlooked, especially in the national media. But I, I like the fact that we've also just slotted in you know, a couple of young lads in there. We've released our squad well, and mm. and we've managed the situation. And I think as well, we we've we said a few times, but the academy is bearing a lot of fruit to the labour now. And I've seen a couple of stories this week about um, young centre halves. So I think it's Nallow and Pennington or Pennington, um, sixteen and seventeen years of age respectively, who have been playing for the under twenty ones. So you know they're playing three or four years above their you know what what is deemed their age level yeah. um, and I'm not, not not putting these lads out there under any pressure to say they'll be on our our first team books in the next year or two but you know it, it's good to see when opportunities are then presented to the likes of Jarrell Kwanzaa um, and Connor Bradley who've stepped up to the first team that that does next you know your next set of lads um, or you know your next cab off the bank sort of saying is is coming through and and the academy's bearing good products there and you know there's, there's good careers um, being made for, for lads in this academy and whether it be at Liverpool or elsewhere it's it's nice to see um, that we are actually producing some quality young players Yeah I was just thinking that as well yeah because obviously every time we, we have to dig deeper and go down you know Look at look to the younger lads and bring them up to the first team. Um, that that creates a space, doesn't it, for younger lads further down the chain, and it works its way up um, and gives them the chance. And it's um, it, it's one of the downsides in a way with kids as well is that our youngsters that you can't always you can't always give them a go. You don't know how good they're going to be in a real proper game until you put them in a real proper game. But doing that is a risk. Um, much much the same really is what we've just been saying about putting a player on the pitch who's, who's a well-known player but he's had an injury you know it's it's a risk um, Thiago we gave him a go probably didn't know it was going to work or not until we tried we tried it didn't work so we, you know um, my own view is um, yeah I'm sure we'll see him again soon but you know there's got to come a point with a player like that where you've just got to give him a go and see how it works out and, and hope there isn't a setback hope it does work out hope any setback that does come isn't a major one Um and I think the other thing what you're saying about City as well is this is the difference is they've got if they've got two players missing say and it's the end of the world and it's a miracle they've even got any wins or anything because of those two players missing then given the money they spend and the reputation of their manager and the re- reputation of all the other stuff in that club and how they want the best of everything and they pay for the best of everything um, how on earth can you end up to a situation where you know a couple of players go missing and it's the end of the world for you because you're right. I mean, I just look at us. We, you know, we. You're not. You're not going to be able to say that Mo Salah being out that you're going to say, oh, we didn't miss him because you will. There's times in all the games he's missed where you think, yeah, what difference would it have made if Salah had been playing today? Um, even if it's just that other players have had to play more and stuff, it's the same. You know, if Virgil's not at his best, you you think, God, we know. Um, we miss Virgil. If if Ali can't be in the, in the net like last weekend. I thought um, Quee, I thought uh, Quees did great. They did a good good enough job, but you're still thinking, I wish we had Ali there. But the thing is, what we've had to do is we've had to get some of our first choice players. Maybe not spend anything like some other clubs spend on similar kind of players. Spend a bit less on your kind of backup players or your your, your rotation players, and then you know get down into the reserves. And I'm I'm pleased with the way we've done it. I think 
I'd still be top of the league at this stage of the season with the amount of injuries that we've had. And to have not even gone out in the transfer window and spent another penny, um, I mean, we're, it feels like we're being really sustainable with things at the moment. Um, I'm sure we could do with looking at whether, you know, we, we, I'm sure we'll review the season whenever the new manager comes in, whoever that is, whenever the new director of football or whatever we have comes in, I'm sure we'll review all this and decide which way to go with things. But um, I feel like we're doing it the right way. You're right, 100%. Um, I wish, I wish, uh, I wish that there were, as you say, there's part of me wishes that we got the credit for this, that, you know, we've, I don't want to say we're on a shoestring budget, but as far as like top six clubs are concerned, maybe we spend nothing like, I don't think we spend anything like the others. If you even it out and you work out what money we've had coming in for players, I mean, you know, going back to when Virgil came in, I'm pretty sure we were still spending the Coutinho money at that stage. You know, it's like we've, we've been sensible with our money, um, which has frustrated a lot of people. And that's where the FSG out stuff gets seeded from because they see other clubs spending mad amounts of money and we're not. And they're like, why are you doing that? Um, I'd rather us be sensible with what money we've got than be, I don't know, be like Chelsea and spend an absolute fortune and have nothing to show for it. Or be like the, them lads across the park and spend an absolute fortune and have nothing to show for it. Um, I think, I think just, what we are, sorry, sorry to cut you up, is we're, we're what the league wants every club to be, yeah. you know, or or what, you know, the authorities in the game, the, the FFP, P, profits and sustainability, whatever they want to dress it up as, you know, it changes um, you know, acronyms and it changes sort of names every three or four or five years. But in this season, you know, in reference to the lads across Stanley Park, we, we've seen teams being punished for for breaching the rules and, and not being, you know, sustainable and, and spending, you know, out of hand and spending beyond the means and not spending wisely at all because obviously they've not got any better. They've got worse of anything in what they have spent. But I, I would say, you know, not taking the, the red tinted glasses off, we, we're the model club. You know, like, yes, there would be, you know, people who don't support Liverpool, who support other clubs, you know, bigger, smaller, whatever you want to look at yourselves as, and say, like, well, you know, they're part of the big six or the greedy six, as they're often known. And, you know, they get they get all the, the money from European football. Well, we're not in Champions League this year, so we've took a big dent in sort of that sort of profitable income but you're only in the Champions League or you're only in European competition because you're good enough to get in there. You know, look at look at Brighton. Um, you know, at, at last week's opponents, Burnley, at one point, were playing in, in European football. Other clubs across the league, you know, West Ham, um, Leicester in recent times, have all played European football. You do get the, the riches of getting, you know, European money and they're through, you know, cup competitions. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the Carabao Cup coming up next week. It's it's an opportunity presented to clubs to get into Europe. It's another route yeah. in, and we've we've got a very good model. And yes, there will be always knockers and doubters of you know how how come Liverpool can't spend more money? How come Liverpool won't spend more money? But if you look at what we've done, and it's it's a huge huge debate in terms of how the clubs run, but we've run very well in terms of. You know, we're producing kids from the academy. We we sell to buy within reason. And yes, you, you mentioned Virgil van Dijk, and there was a time when we had to sell star players to then recoup money to maybe buy two or three more. But 
in recent years we've we've sold a few players and we've not overly spent too much and people love to you know say oh you spent 85 million on darwin nunez well we might spend 85 million on darwin nunez but we we actually only shelled out 64 and obviously people are aware with finances it's it's over numerous seasons and stuff but you know i think the only other club in in the top six seven eight teams in the league who are probably similar well well run to us and um, people will say that the best run business in the English football is Tottenham um, and the league would would like the majority of clubs to be like us use the academy to produce kids you know not have to sell your best player every season because you're overspending on, on wages or you know you're, you're overstretching in the transfer market and trying to buy 12 players and actually only two of them are any good you know you're you, you scout well, you you recruit well, and you know a lot of our hits in the market have sort of been the thirty to forty million pound price bracket. You know now and again we've gone big, but a lot of our you know real successes in the transfer market under Jurgen Klopp have been that thirty to forty million bracket, which sounds crazy today, but in the modern game isn't overly expensive you know there's there's a lot worse talented players going for very similar prices hmm. in transfers around England and around Europe but we do our homework and we do the right thing and we recruit as and when and we promote so we we should get more credit than, than what we actually do because we're, we're doing things the right way and um, you know the, there's clubs out there who, who, who crib and cry about you know who we spent 800 million and it's not working for us so we'll go and spend two, three, four hundred, five hundred more million you know we spent 100 million on Declan Rice but our midfield is still lacking um, <laughs> or in the case of Everton on the par we, we spent 600 million and only apparently 10 million was was over budget or whatever but we're still 17th from the table or 18th I think they are now and you know it, it's you do sort of feel as though well you, you've only really got yourself to blame um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm just happy how we do things, and yes, things could always be a little bit more. You know, a, an extra transfer here, an extra transfer there, twenty million more, thirty million here, whatever. And we have moaned all down the past, but when you take a step back and look at the bigger picture, I think we 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 can be quite proud of the fact that if if we go on to success, we've done it the right way, we've done it clean, we've done it fair, and we've got a lot of factors that have contributed to it. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, and I think there's, there's a thing in, in football that you sort of, 
well, when Hicks and Gillette were here and we were like, what the hell's going on? You know, came in, bought Torres and things like that. Money was there to start with. Um, obviously, it all went a bit skew with after that, to say the least. Um, and one of the one of the big things is always sort of, you sort of do, you know, you do that quick maths as you do as fans where everything's spent within the year, as you know, it isn't. Um, and you go, right, well, we won this. You did that prize money, TV money's gone up by this much. So automatically you think, well, there's another 40 million we should have spent on players and, and we didn't. Why didn't we? And there was always a thing with Hicks and Gillette and, and it carried into the new owners because, you know, our trust was ruined by those two. Um, but there was a thing with them where you're always thinking, well, where has all the money gone? And the money all went on interest payments because they put the club into all kinds of debt and stuff like that. That's where, that's where the money will have gone. And that's what's happening to other clubs as well who've been borrowing like mad to, to sort of try and get through things for good or bad reasons. If the, if, Manchester United, the debt they've got is unreal. The amount of money that they bring in and then send straight out as debt is unreal. Um, it, it's mad. Um, but now I don't think, I don't think there's any point since FSG came in where they've gone, um, oh, that's a nice 40 million extra this year. We'll, we'll have that fancy a new yacht. You know, there's none, there isn't any of that. I just think. I'm not sure if they took anything out of the club. I think their, their way of dealing with it is that the asset they bought for a few hundred million is now, you know, we're talking billions for it now, which is, um, that's where they're making their money. One day they can sell a chunk of it or all of it or whatever and make more money. Um, they don't seem to be in any rush. So, which is perhaps just as well, because I'm not sure what we get. But then I noticed when you mentioned just then, you mentioned Tottenham and it's not just about how you're dealing with players and player signings that make a difference with how your clubs run. Um, we needed a new stadium when Hicks and Gillette were around. We realised when FSG came in that that would be really expensive and that maybe there was a way around it. And some of the barriers we'd had to do that in the past, as in to make Anfield bigger, kind of started to disappear. Um, you know, there's still criticism about how we did that, but it doesn't matter in the end. We got to a point where we could make Anfield bigger, but you still need money to do that. And it feels like it was done sensibly. Main stand was done. Um, wait a while, get the academy redone, wait a while, get the Anfield Road end done, wait a while, whatever's next. I mean, I'm not sure if there will be anything next, but all of that's been done in a way that we're not skinned. And you look at Tottenham, I mean, they've not had the success on the field, but they've built a brand new stadium that's going to make them a load more money because of all the other things they can do with it. And as far as I'm aware, they've not had to go into like silly debt for it that they can't afford to service. Now, that's one of the biggest issues over the way with the Laszlo from across the park is they tried to get a new stadium and tried to spend a fortune on players and really they have to ask themselves, could we afford to do either of those things? Probably not. Could we afford to do both? Definitely not. And they didn't stop and think and Again, that takes you back to that mentality we've talked about as well over there, which is always like blame the manager, blame the manager, blame the manager. While you're doing that, there's other people who are the villains at your club that you're letting get away with it. So, um, and I think Everton have fallen foul of that over the years. And what happens then is you throw out a manager and the new manager comes in, doesn't want any of his crap players, does he? So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe some of the stuff I'm saying though, are we going to have some kind of problems next year? Because we're getting a new manager. I don't think so. I think he's going to be, whoever comes in, he's going to be happy with who he gets. He's going to have some favourites that he maybe wants to bring with him. He's going to have some players if he has an issue with because he doesn't like their, their style. But on the whole, I don't think we're going to be throwing loads of players out next year. No, I, I think there's just probably a natural sort of shelf life in, in certain players who, mm. who, who will probably be gone. Um, 
you know, due for various reasons, you know, contracts or, you know, they're, they're not getting time, playing time, um, you know, or maybe the manager does, whoever this, the guy will be to take charge, he just doesn't fancy them for whatever reason or, you know, it can be a multitude of reasons and there will be players move on and there might be, you know, a surprise exit, you know, I'm not, I'm not sort of advocating, you know, the fact that anyone big is going to go and, you know, you'd hope if anyone was to go, it was for, you know, reasons that were fair and just, not like, you know, unfair of a player to, to force themselves out because I don't see why anyone would want to leave us and force themselves to go anywhere because why would you? Um, no one's going to be able to pull that trick out of you and say, I want more game time, I want more game time, I'm going to leave if no. I don't get it like some yeah, player or, did last season. Or, <laughs> or I want to go to a you know a bigger club. I, okay, there, there will always be that Real Madrid, Barcelona, Lyon for, for certain players. Maybe, you know, it's, it's a bigger sort of attraction for some players from certain parts of the world. Um, but, you know, you'd look at Barcelona and say, well, you really want to go to Barcelona at this time you know they're going to have a new manager next season it, the, the troubles they've been through you know financially very unstable um, Real Madrid you know will always be the Real Madrid attraction but um, you know players unless you probably say Virgil van Dijk or Trent Alexander-Arnold possibly you know Mo Salah maybe but it looks like Kylian Mbappe is probably going to end up there let's not try and kid ourselves and think he's going anywhere else but yeah are you going to get in the Real Madrid team or are you just going for the fact that you can put it on your CV that you've played for Real Madrid? And other than that, you know, there's nowhere else around Europe you'd want to go. There's nowhere else in England you'd want to go unless you were going to Chelsea or City, literally for the bag of money. Um, and yet, yes, there'll be players who, whoever the new manager is, just might not want or might want to actually bring in someone who they know could do a better job for us, you know, and I'm, I don't know who that might be or whatever it might be, whatever position, you know, they, they might take a look at, let, let's just, let's just pick a player off the top of our heads. So let's just say Andy Robertson and say, well, Andy Robertson's solid left back for the last, what, seven, eight years or something like that for Liverpool is coming towards the, the later stages of his prime. If we were being honest to him, you know, he's, he's not been the same as what he was three, four, five years ago. Yeah. Um, and has he still got the engine in the tank to say, I can get up and down that left side um, relentlessly for 90 minutes, week in, week out, a couple of injuries, albeit, you know, shoulder one isn't necessarily, you know, a, a pulled leg muscle or something that would overly affect him. But um, as he gets older, these injuries are more prone to happen. They might look and say, well, I could move Andy Robertson on and get a decent fee and I could bring in a young lad who's 22, 23, fit, agile and I'm able to get five, six years out of him where I might only get two out of Andy Robertson. And would that be a little bit upsetting for some fans? Yes, it would. You know, because everyone loves Andy Robertson and what he's gave our club. But if it was a manager's decision to think, well, you know, I think that I'm doing the right thing here and actually I'm going to present you with player X and you're going to be absolutely overwhelmed with this lad for the next five, six, seven years, you know what, fans will quickly change <laughs> and and it'll all be accepted. So it's all up for grabs. Um, and I, and I, I find it crazy how, how we're seeing transfer stories about Liverpool players, Liverpool linked to players in the summer. We don't even know who the manager is. No, like, or he's going to be got, doing the recruitment or anything. No, we have no idea. We had no idea Klopp was leaving. 
you know, that was that was kept secret, weren't it, for what three months, something like that. Um, yeah. So, whoever it is, like obviously the the bookies' favourite and the name on everyone's lips is Xabi Alonso, and I wouldn't be at all disappointed if it was Xabi Alonso. You know, after the game last week, I was in the local pub outside the ground, and um, the best midfielder in the world song was ringing round us <laughs> by by a Leverkusen, we're putting Bayern Munich to bed three um, 0 and if Xabi Alonso is to be the guy, wonderful. But I just have a little feeling that it might not be him. You know, maybe no, I think it's too soon for him. I think personally yeah. with FSG and all this stuff and the data and all the rest of it, they're gonna go like he's definitely on our list. Like he's on the spreadsheet for, for our manager in four or five years if we're looking. Not now. I, I just think the the, the roman romantic decision is there, you know, and we we this this could sound terrible, but we we were all sorts of set on Steven Gerrard was going to be the man to replace Jurgen Klopp when he was doing well at Rangers, and we all love Stevie as a player. You know, can thank him enough for all that he did for us. But would you want Steven Gerrard as a manager now, two or three years later down the line, seeing how things have pan out after a couple of good years? Um, definitely not. That's <laughs> is it. the word. Yeah, and you know. Xabi could be we, we it's a literally it's a double edged sword. He could be the next great big thing. Um and we could just get the guy early and see, right, well we're gonna build, you know, eight, ten years under Xabi Alonso and everything will be all rosy and we'll win so many trophies and the football will be fantastic and whatever. But I just think the way this club operates that it wouldn't be a surprise if it's not Xabi Alonso on it and it's someone else and you know the, there's other names out there and you know, there's there's actually various pods on AI um, that I've listened to this week. Um, I think it's Dave and Dave Davis and Dave Hendrick have done them, mm. um, and they've gone through Alonso and Amarim are sporting, and I think they've got three or four more to come. And it would not surprise me at all if it's another guy named not Javi Alonso. Um, yeah, and if that's who the club choose, you know, and I'd imagine there probably is a little bit of influence from Klopp in the fact that. You know, he will speak to players, uh, managers, you know, professionals around the game and get feedback and, like, he'll want to leave this club in as good a hands as possible. He's not going to do what Fergie did and say, I'll give it to me, uh, me old mucker, David Wagner. You know, like, he gave it to David Moyes and, mm. and, and off he rode up back to Scotland and watched the, the castle crumble, literally. Um, you know, I think the, the guy that Klopp is, he, he he's not going to say, I want it to be this guy, but... He's gonna he's gonna have feelers outside, I imagine, and say like, you know, I'm hearing good things about this fella and that fella, and you know, he's gonna probably have you know some sort of say in the fact that I've heard whatever about such a manager. So yeah, you wouldn't if you were in Liverpool looking for the next boss, you wouldn't miss the chance to go and ask Clark what he thought of someone, would you? Of course not. Like he's he's led us to this point, so but why why wouldn't you? Um, um, so. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just not being drawn into to all this romanticism and you know I, I like you know what Klopp did it's it's quite common in Germany where managers are announced that they're going to go um, you know as, as someone who sort of heart keeps an eye on Borussia Dortmund you know they've turned over several managers since Klopp has gone um, you know and I remember I think it was three years ago 
they announced, you know, that the manager at the time was going and they were getting a fella from Gladbach and then Gladbach announced they were getting a fella from somewhere else and this was all done in like March, mm. February March time. Yeah. And it's just the efficient sort of German way of doing things and I think maybe, you know, that's what that's possibly why Klopp has come out and said it and it's just not obviously a dumb thing in England but now we've got over that shock and I think it's, it, you know, most level-headed Liverpool fans have just sort of gone, okay, well, he's going, but we've got 20-plus games potentially to play this season. Let's just knuckle down and get on with them. And then we'll approach that bridge when we get to it in, you know, hopefully the very end of May when there's all the trophies have been won. Yeah, and it's not even as if it's like, it's not like a fan vote, is it? We're not going to get given like six names on a shortlist and then, you know, we all get to vote for, for the last four and then maybe they do a bit of a parade or something around, you know, Come and sell us that sell us to themselves to us, and we get it down to the last two. Or, but it's nothing. We ha- we'll have nothing to do with it. All we'll know is um, we'll hear rumours, and we'll believe some, will not believe others. Some will be worth believing, some won't, and then eventually it, it'll come out, and we'll probably get. I don't know. Paul Joyce will tell us that this is who's going to be announced, and a couple of hours later he'll be announced. That's that's the kind of thing that's probably going to happen. And um, what I hope doesn't happen as well is that people who set their hearts on Jabby based on this like romantic version of him, the lad who, you know, he stamped out that broken ankle and ca- tried to carry on playing and stuff like that. Um, this, you know, great player, did a lot for us while he was with us. Um, arguably could have done a lot more if he'd have stayed, but, you know, Real Madrid will call him. What, do you blame him? Um, he's not, you know, he's not the finished article in my view yet. And if he does come in, it'll be because no doubt, um, FSG and all the data and everything, they've got it all together and worked out is right for us. I just think it's a little bit too early. And, um, I can remember with Brendan Rogers when, you know, when he first came, we thought, oh, what's he going to be like? We'll see, give him chance. And then that season where we were sort of so close to winning the league, we thought, my God, this is, the, this is the man for us. And I think the second season is where you realize that he wasn't the man for us. And maybe in his case, maybe it was just too early for him. And maybe if he'd have not come to us at that time and, it had spent more time at other clubs and building his way up to the level of Liverpool because without being big headed, we are quite a top club, you know. Um, there's a lot of clubs you can go to before you come to one that's as big a club as Liverpool. Um, and to me, the, the kindest thing I could have said when the wheels were starting to come off with Brendan Rodgers was it was just too early for him. Now, whether he'll ever will be the manager that's good enough t- to manage a club and do well at a club. As, as big as Liverpool's another matter, I don't know. Um, maybe, you know, he got his fingers burnt by being with us and he'll never quite get to that level, I don't know. Um, but I would hate, I'd hate us to fall out with Chabby because he comes when he's not ready and then it doesn't work out. And I'd also hate us to get some other manager and we fall out with him before he's even started because he's not Chabby. I just hope we respect whatever decision he's made. Um, and talking to managers, um, I was thinking before, like when we were mentioning Thiago, maybe the next time we'll see him play a game for us is in a Legends game, and there is one in March. And we've both picked up on this that you know we there's a good, there's going to be another guy, another face in the dugout. You know, we've got all the regular ex-players, and these matches. I mean, it's a Legends game, but it's played around field. It's usually full. Um, all the ex-players. I mean, okay, they never could play a season now, but they give everything to these games and. You know, you still see signs of the old, the old silky skills and all the rest of it. But management wise, um, someone who's never been at Liverpool before, but is a massive Liverpool fan. And 
I think it's an amazing gesture what we're doing. We're giving Svenjor and Ericsson a chance to be part of the uh, LFC Legends management team on the day. Yeah, I think it was, what was it mentioned about three or four weeks ago or something? He'd done, done an interview in the end and, and, and very sadly, and yeah. you know, or half of wishes go to Sven that he's, he's got a, a, a bad illness, hasn't he? And, you know, he might not have too long left with us, which is awful to say about a guy who's probably dedicated his life to football. Um, and, you know, he, he his one wish would have been had he have had his time again that he would have managed Liverpool. And I think that at one point we potentially did consider Sven as manager and it just didn't work out for one reason or another. But the fact that the, the club have been so classy, um, you know, because there, there was a little sort of push um, and that this is the power of online and social media is you know there was a big clamour from fans um, you know tagging the club in in posts to say you know like look at what look at what he's saying here you know he, he just wants like that dream to come true and and we can do it because you know there is these legends games that take place once a year I think it's the international break in March which you know it's been nice hasn't it <laughs> no international football I think since <laughs> November to not actually have that um, breaking the season but you know lo and behold it's back um, Mr Waistcoat and all that for England but you know it, it's just I think other clubs would, would maybe say okay well we understand what you're saying there Sven why don't you come along and have you know the the, the, the King's treatment and we'll let you have Daglish's cease for the week or you know what put insert club legend into that, that space and you, we'll give you you know, the the run of the ground, you can go meet all the players, you can go down the dressing room before and after the game and, you know, lots of nice pictures for, for socials and whatever. But I think it's just a really good thing and not many other clubs would have probably thought of the the option to, to give Sven the chance to lead out to Liverpool team and all be a Legends team. And I think there's a very loose term to be tagged to this Legends team because while we were at the game last week, there was players reeled off who were going to, partake in that game and to call them legends um, of Liverpool FC is you know stretching the word beyond all its means but <laughs> it, I mean you can't really tag it as LFC ex-players um, you know yeah you've got to say legends people... even if it is Gregory <laughs> Vignal you're talking about aren't you so yeah and there's a couple of others in there who <laughs> you know partook in games in Liverpool but probably didn't overly influence the games um, to too much of a positive impact, but we are where we are. Um, but yeah, to, for Sven to walk out of that that tunnel um, and take a seat on the bench, and, and I hope you know, I think it's Rush, Barnes, and Aldridge who are part of the coaching team for that game. Yeah, um, it'd be nice if Sven is stood there, you know, suit and red tie, and you know, gets gets the honour of of playing Liverpool manager for the day and. Um, it's against Ajax, so you know there'll be you know a couple of ex Ajax players um, on parade too. So should be a good game and a good occasion, and it, it's nice that we've we've honoured his, his dream and making it come true. Yeah, Ryan Babbel's playing for both sides in the game. Um, I, w- I wonder if your spray is here different colours. Oh, <laughs> you'll just go the red and white. I think the last time I seen him, he had pink. Yeah, could, yeah, maybe do half and one side on the other. Depends which which side the camera gets in from. Um, yeah. It, I mean, I mean, this is the thing about the legends. I mean, I think if you did this game ten years ago, what kind of players would you be seeing playing in it? You, you know, players who were players 
10 years before the players, I'm, you know what I'm trying to say, you know, um, at the moment we're looking at like, yeah, see, Dudek is, is, is going to be involved apparently. So is, uh, Sander Vestabelt. Um, I mean, Dudek was a legend because of Istanbul, but, you know, even he wasn't around much after that and could have easily not ended up having, um, anything happen to him that made him the legend in that same way because that's the problem we've got now is the players that we can pick as our ex-player squad or our legend squad are all kind of from an era when we weren't winning much, you know, and I suppose we're going to go through this little spell now where, because, you know, the players who did win things are getting too old now um, to play too much. That's probably why some of those names are on the uh, in the dugout, you know, Rushy, Boundy and Aldridge. Um, maybe it's getting, I don't know if they're going to put the boots on at all, but I'm not sure they'll play much, if if anything. Um, you know, they in my view, they're the legends. They did legendary things for us. Um, so many legendary games had those players involved. And it's just not the same for, like, you know, Martin Skirtle's another one. How many legendary <laughs> moments did he get the chance to have? Even, he, you know, and let's be, let's face it, we, we make Steven Gerrard as a legend, but, you know, and he definitely was, but how many times was he just part of a kind of also of a, of a squad where everyone was just like making up the numbers yeah I mean sadly that you're probably looking at maybe what 10-15 years from now um, and and then we'll have you know a hell of a hell of yeah. a legend scene wouldn't we um, with Klopp managing it maybe if he's still around yeah and you know you, you look at the players who are currently at the club or maybe have left the club in, in recent years and you know that's what you would determine as legends, and I think only yesterday, actually, Fernando Torres, who I think he only won one, one trophy with us. Did he win? Um, I can't remember if he, if he was it an FA Cup or was he not there at that time? I don't That's think he was because yeah, he came probably too late for us to get. Was it 2017 June? I think it was. Yeah, so he will have missed the final, wasn't he? In um, the second final, Athens. yeah, but we didn't win, obviously. So. No, um, um, so you know he he he's a, he's a player who, who splits opinion, but I think his his prime career games were Atletico Madrid and Liverpool. So, you know, like yes, he didn't leave under the best circumstances and whatever. Um, but his career after Liverpool, you know, as Klopp once said, like isn't isn't always going to be as good as sort of the best it's going to get is at Liverpool um, see Philip Coutinho for classic example of that one yeah. um, but you know at the time he was a legend at the club you know Fernando Torres was an idol of, of so many um, you know and you, you think back to the sort of link up between Gerard and Torres and just had a quick look and I, I'd imagine Gerard is probably going to feature within that game um, because uh, Ella Etifak is the club he manages, isn't it? Um, don't have a game. <laughs> yeah, I had to slow the pronunciation down, but he doesn't have a game. So, you know, I'd imagine Stevie is probably going to be, you know, a couple of days before we go, we've got a special guest and it's Stevie. Um, I can't imagine Javi Alonso is going to insert his name into said um, Legends lineup, though, because of all the the hype and the talk. It's probably wise and the type of fella that Javi is, he's probably just going to go, actually, I'll give that one a pass. And he's probably going to be, be doing some bombarding, maybe, isn't he, or something? So he's going to be bombarded, isn't he? He's just not worth it for him. No. I, I come back in another couple of years when you know the opportunity presents itself again. Um, they're, they're a good game, and I just actually seen that we've we've sold forty three thousand tickets, and you know the Anfield capacity last week was 
up to a shade under sixty thousand. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I've said before, from where I I stand in the cop and the roof drops down, I can't actually see the upper tier of the Anfield Road unless I, I go down about fifteen twenty rows. But to actually walk out um, from the you know the the entrance exits points whatever the the stairwell um, and actually see that red strip of seats filled. Um, it, it was nice. It was lovely to see, um, yeah. and it's it's good that we've got this now. And I think you know, I've seen a couple of comments this week about like you know European footballs back and and the power of Anfield. And you know, we might not be in the Champions League, um, but we are still in Europe. And I'm, I'm looking forward to to the European nights. You know, that are going to come up over the next few weeks where. You know it, that special sort of atmosphere, and then obviously we we have one eye also on the Man City game, um, but to have the whole ground now fully accessible and open, um, you know, and hopefully for the Legends game they can fill it and they can get it up towards you know the the sixty thousand mark because it's a it's a good thing to see you know the ground full and obviously the the proceeds from it all goes to charity as well, which is nice. Yeah, and it means so much to the players as well. I mean, having worked with ex players in the past, Liverpool players like they'll tell you they just love to have this chance to be like the, the thing they miss most from being a player it's 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 the competitive stuff because it's sort of you know your whole week's building up to a game and winning that game and then you you get over that game then straight away building up to another game whether it's for your club or your country um it's all about being competitive and then they, they miss that so much when they when they call quits on the playing career um so they're so up for these games and um it's a shame the bodies don't sort of live up to, to the brains kind of thing you know you can tell but um i was just thinking when you're on about uh torres then he hadn't won anything with us because basically um hicks and gillette basically came along told a load of lies and, and ruined all what could have happened and i still think there's a parallel universe somewhere where maybe um you know rafa took us on to win more things and torres was a leading light in all of that um who knows um there's still one. I mean, the, to show how much he was loved at Anfield. I mean, that Nike advert, um, wherever you know, spoofing that everyone in Liverpool had gone Spanish because of Nando. It was like it was a joke, but it almost felt real. Like you would not have been surprised to see loads more Spanish stuff appearing in the city because of how much Liverpool fans loved him. Um, it was an amazing advert. Dig it out on YouTube if you don't remember it, or even if you do, dig it out. It was good. Um, I think. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna be, um, we're gonna be sort of, you know, pleased to see to speak to see Ericsson there and all the rest of it. But I was just thinking, um, slightly different thing. I'm not sure how to react to this um, personally, but there's one ex-manager I don't think we would welcome back. I mean, let's face it: if the legends wanted another manager and Rafa was free, I'm sure that would go down well with fans. If if Roy Evans came. I wanted to do it. I'm sure that would go well with fans. Even Graham Souness, I don't think people would be. Um, you know, angry to see Graeme Sooners come along and do the job as a legend, legendary manager. But, um, yeah, one ex-manager's in hospital at the moment, so I'm not too sure. Um, I don't know. I don't want to sort of be a hypocrite and start praising him all of a sudden, but, you know, I hope Roy Hodgson gets well soon because, um, despite all our misgivings about him, you don't want to see someone struggling, do you? No, and I, surprisingly, last night I was in work and someone said, have you seen the Hodgson news? And I was like, He'd been sacked. Yeah. And they were like, well, he, he probably has. And then they've replaced him with a fella. Or at the same time, he's in hospital. And I was like, hey. And they were like, yeah, yeah, he's in hospital. And I was like, wow. So, like, I had to 
to go and like have a little look and see like you know he he's taken ill and he, he's in hospital and you know or all the actually good thoughts and wishes go to Roy and he it's probably a case of a very sad sad thing to say but he's just he's just trying to do too much for the guy of his age he should have you know when, when he left Palace the first time you know he, he probably should have said that, that that's enough and then he never he, he got lured back in and you know, even last season, he sort of done okay and, and steadied the ship and, and got them to where they needed to be, you know, somewhere around 12th to 14th in the table. And and that's his job done. And there should be someone bigger at Palace to just say, like, Roy, just time is time. You just need to go and just retire and enjoy, you know, the rest of your life with your grandkids and your kids and great-grandkids or whatever. And, you know, you, you don't need to be doing this. And I know it's hard to people to walk away from the game and you know we we had the unfortunate case of of Gerard Julia who put so much into the game that it damaged his health mm. um, and, and you know you, you do wonder in hindsight that did did that lead to to an, an early death for, for Gerard because he put so much into football he caused you know so much pressure on his body it, it basically failed him at one point and you know did, did that have a, a long term lasting effect and you know, you'd you'd like to hope that isn't the case with Roy, and you know, as much as the the memories aren't the best with him, you know, you'd like to see the fella, you know, healthy as he can be, and you know, actually just just call it a day and and sort of spend time with your family and be a family man, and don't worry about Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace will be here and be fine, but you don't need to worry about that. And hopefully, you know, we get the the positive news that he is. He's able to leave hospital in the next few days, and you know, Palace can get a result on Monday because they play Everton. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, <laughs> it's... it's- my my sort of feelings towards him with Mello definitely over the years because bottom line is it wasn't his fault he became our manager. I mean, okay, you could have turned the job down, but who's going to turn that job down? Um, he just wasn't the right manager for us. It wasn't Brendan Rodgers' fault that he was our manager and it all, you know, again, who's going to turn that job down? You know, he, sometimes, you know, just the, the wrong people in the wrong place at the wrong time or just permanently in the wrong place. Um I've got no hard feelings about him. And to be honest with you, it doesn't surprise me that he's, he's come to this. He almost strikes me as someone who'd like, 
he'd probably tell you that he'd be his happiest. Like if he's gonna when he, when it's his time to go, he'd like it to be just after he's managed the game. You know, just managed the game and managed to get his team to get um, a plucky draw or something. That's not having a little joke with there with him, but um, <laughs> you know. but it kind of sort of links us back in, doesn't it? It's what we were just saying about the legends. They miss that competitive stuff. They want to play games, and then right back to the beginning with Trent. Um, you know. Was he, was he totally honest with himself, with the medical staff, with the manager, um, about how fit he was? You know, possibly not. And that's nothing, that's not having a go at him. That is not having a go at him at all. It's because that's how players are. They want to get out there and get playing and, um, and do the bit, do the bit for the team. And it's good you've got players like that. I mean, I would much rather have a player who, who tries to play when maybe he's not quite ready than a player who tries to scav another couple of days off when, you know, He's not, he's not worth it. You know, he needs to get back playing. But, um, when we just on the, then again as well about Torres, um, I, I looked and he did get in some kind of awards like player of the month and things like that. Um, which funnily enough, I think Liverpool have cleaned up on basically almost with the Premier League. We've got Jota player of the month, club manager of the month. I think Connor Bradley's won an award. I'm not sure if that's just a, an LFC one. Um, and then someone's won, won another award as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bradley's was the the fans' player of the month, um, you know, which you know you can't imagine what the poor lad's been through in the last couple of weeks. But you know, he he's back within training and whatever, and you know to to sort of have recognition from the fans, you know, probably means a lot to any player. You know, to to win the fans' player of the month um, for your club um, when you've you know you've you've just sort of broke through proper. Because you know, we have seen him on a couple of occasions over the, a few years, um, yeah. but I think we could probably now say you know Connor Bradley has arrived and Connor Bradley is a is a first team squad option player now, um, and to have that appreciation um, from the fans and you know I'm sure it means a hell of a lot to him and his his family um, given what they've been through to to sort of have a a little chink of positive light in their life um, and. Um, moving on to the other two, you know, Jota has has quietly picked up the mantle of of responsibility. Um, we could say for for the time that Salah's been gone, and I think you know, was it probably only the Arsenal game we said was the only time we we've looked over this period to say we've missed Molde. Yeah. Um and he, even last week, you know, he, he gets the opening goal, um, and you know, a, a solid performance all round, you know, and all three forwards got on the score sheet last week, which is was good to see. And, you know, Jota, he's probably the most adept finisher that we've got amongst us. Um, and there's times in games where I often think like he, he sort of floats and doesn't really influence it a lot, but within the 12-yard, 18-yard box, you know, like within that area of the, of the goal, there's probably no one you'd want more no. in front of goal than him. He's deadly. Um and, and Klopp has scooped up his 10th manager of the month award, which, you know, was a nice figure to get to um, in his final season. And let's hope that he can maybe get 11 or 12 of them awards because that would mean, you know, that Liverpool are winning games and we're doing things right. Um, and Klopp is getting the recognition he deserves. If if we can end the season on Klopp on 12 manager of the month awards, given we've probably only got three or four of them left to go. Um you know that would be a nice way to end the season for Klopp and Liverpool. And um, there wasn't there wasn't a while for the lads across the park. They've got a bit of um, I don't know if you get silverware for it, but Jordan Pickford save save of the month. Well, <laughs> I'm sure 
they'll they'll probably have to re rejig a few things in the cabinet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> find space for that one. Find the key for I it mean, first. I mean, let's you know. Well, yeah. I mean, you'll probably need a locksmith to get into that cabinet, but I mean, the cabinet's probably the size of a microwave, isn't it? Yeah, let's be <laughs> honest. Um, but but it, when you're facing so many shots, um, you know, you're probably bound to have contender for save of the month. Um, you know, I think it's four away games or something like that now that you know they've they've not managed to score a goal and. Um, it was seemingly quiet in work on Monday morning after the, you know, the humble and <laughs> defeat to Manchester City where, you know, yeah, we got beat, but yeah, Man City are still only two points behind you with a game in hand. So yeah, it didn't quite go to plan for them because we didn't lose, but yeah, they're, yeah, happy. they're, they're happy with that result for City. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were, they were more pleased at the fact that Sheffield United beat Luton, um, which, you know, if, if that's the sort of level of, you know, success on the weekend. If Liverpool win, then your next sort of thing is Everton getting a positive result. And then if, if that isn't the case, then you're looking at, you know, the outcome of Luton versus Sheffield United, then maybe you probably need to drop into a division where <laughs> you're probably looking at like Rotherham and, you know, I don't know who else is down there, Sunderland and Plymouth and whatever. That That's Watford, the sort of yeah. teams you're looking at for, for comparative results. And, Maybe maybe you need to become accustomed to to looking for such teams on the on the uh, final score sheet. Yeah, um, I mean, I just, I mean, this is what we're going to miss if they go down. And again, I mean, I actually think this year is the, probably the best chance of of not going down. You know, they might they might be safe before before like the last game of the season. Even you know, they might actually do it with some reads of spur. We'll see. Um, depends what happens with this uh, hearing about the points and stuff. I mean, they're good at shooting themselves in the foot, aren't they? So we'll see. Um, but yeah, we'll miss them if they go down, but um, they'll still be doing funny things, just won't be in our division if, if they go down. So I'm sure we still have plenty to laugh at. Um, and talking of um, so-called rivals who were blue, just let's just finish off on the... Because um, they obviously not had much time to look ahead to the next game. Then we've got Luton, but then the game after that, which, you know, it's not going to look at in too much detail yet. You know, one game at a time and all that. But um, we were saying last week, weren't we, that for some reason, Dizzy's little tickets for... Liverpool fans and paper tickets for Chelsea fans um, and we wondered why you know because the affluent south and you know the the, the poverty stricken north and all the rest of it you know that all the stereotypes and all the rest of it you know we you know how, how can we have digital tickets when you know I'm surprised do, do they even have computers in Liverpool you can imagine people saying um, but yeah we've got digital tickets they've got paper um, it's a bit bit sad isn't it the reason that's been given yeah, I mean, who, who'd have thought that, um, you know, the modern north have actually got digital access to stadiums where the West End of London still use paper. I wonder if they still have a, have a guy sat behind a turnstile who rips your ticket in half and sort of presses the pedals to let you in. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I can't imagine that is the case at Stamford Bridge, albeit it does need modernisation and whatever, but it just seems like a piss poor excuse. Um, and you know, I think it's it's a it's a way, yes, probably to try and stop touts. You know, because ticket touting happens all around, and the demand to to get a ticket to see Liverpool is high at any time of the season. But especially now, given circumstances of a a final and b yeah, you can clock going. Um, but I, I just find I just find it a weak excuse. And and what will probably happen now is. There'll be paper tickets from the Chelsea end on the black market 
you know, changing hands for obscene amounts of money probably ended up in the hands of Liverpool fans. And that's where the problem then, you know, gets even worse, you know, because there'll be Liverpool fans in the Chelsea end and, you know, people will do anything to try and see that game. And, you know, it only takes, you know, one idiot amongst thousands to cause a problem. Um, and that can happen on both sides of the defence. You know, both teams have, have got idiots in the fan base, but, you know, people will be desperate to get there. And if if that's the case and, 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 a, and a bad situation happens, it, it's probably manifested from the fact that they've been quite immature in the fact that the hand on one club digital tickets and one club paper, um, you know, it's, it's meant to be a modern stadium. It's meant to be the pinnacle of football in England. And yeah, you know, you, you've got this debacle of fans having different sorts of access to points to the ground. It's it's a shame, really, but we we hopefully won't let it overshadow the situation. And next week, um, hopefully, after a couple more games in the Premier League, we can we can focus our attention towards that final and and concentrate on the the affluent West London boys that they are. Yeah, other things. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Like every every round of the League Cup um, this season didn't have VAR because the EFL said that unless every club involved in every ground that's going to be used in each round can have VAR, it won't happen in that round. So um, I think the reason it didn't even, it, it was in the semi final last season because all the clubs involved had the the ability to do VAR, but this time one of the clubs didn't, and obviously it's two leg semi, so one ground was going to be used that didn't have it so they decided not to use it um, whether it'll be used in the final we'll see I'm guessing it probably will um, but it will I can confirm right so that's not, because, that, the, that because the officials have been announced oh right oh god so what, have you given us sort of like have we got paper officials as well then no um, we have it was put out in a nice glossy post I think uh, two or three days ago right um, Let's just give you the who's who of uh, referee names here. Chris Kavanagh is the ref. Um, pretty sure he's great at Manchester based. It doesn't take much to find that out. Um, keeping the, the Manchester theme available, uh, assistant referee will be Mark Scholes. Yeah. Uh, Tim, uh, sorry, James Mannering. Um, no dad's army reference there, of course. Tim Robinson, the guy from last week who couldn't help but dish out umpteen amounts of cards against Burnley, um, is the fourth official. Um, everyone's favourite football shop from the 90s Wade Smith is the reserve assistant <laughs> um, Sheffield's finest John Brooks is on VAR and he's assisted by Mark Perry Mark with a C we must add so you know let's let's be down with the kids uh, <laughs> you know a, a, a selection of gentlemen who could only be described as England's white Brexit brigade yeah I mean what a, what a bunch Um I can just, yeah, I bet they don't be the national anthem. <laughs> oh, uh, we'll get into that next week, I think. Yeah. We save that all for next week. Yeah, we will. There's plenty we can talk about next week. And that's the thing. Maybe um, maybe put the brakes on thinking too much about the final because we have got two games to go. And let's face it, we'd rather, you don't want to give yourself this shot. I would rather us win every single league game from now to the end of the season. Um, if I, if someone could guarantee me that, then I'd, I would actually not be as bothered about the League Cup final but I'm actually bothered about every game I just want us to win every game from now till the end of the season it's not a lot to ask um, yeah we've got a couple of games to come before the final um, Brentford and then Burnley uh, not Burnley sorry Brentford and then Luton and um, we've done Burnley um, oh yeah we're starting to get towards the end of the season it's running out but um, it's good fun and we're doing well 
and we don't know what kind of teams are going to be put out at different times now between now and the end of the season um, but we know they'll do the best and we know that we got them the right way and we know that we enjoy watching them and we know that maybe one day we'll see them playing as legends and some of them um, we might even call legends but we'll see but Jay thanks as always thanks to you for listening and we'll leave it there for this week and we'll see you next time we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.